Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. What's up? What's up? What's up? As you just heard, we are MMA FanCast. Welcome back. We are so happy that you joined us. We are talking with Hugh Pulley. Hugh is a fighter out of Gracie in Tampa. His most recent fight was it was a split decision win for LFA 71, and he has won two of his last three. And we've got Hugh on the air with us. Hugh, we're so glad that you have joined us. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How about yourself, Joe? I am doing well. I am sure that Luke is doing well. And I talked with uh, with somebody you know. I'm not going to mention their name. But I found out that your, uh, that your wife is a former boxer. So I was curious, who of, of the two of you, who was the first one to dive deep into the combat sports arena? Well, um... It's funny how we met. Like, um, it was more mutual because by the time I met her, uh, we were both in our amateur careers. She, at that time, I believe she was um, eight and no, um, and I was around like seven and two. So we were kind of uh, cutting weight for the same fight, and uh, that's how I that's how I met. I, I I made the first step though. That was that's the key. I made the first step. Yeah, absolutely. So let's uh, stay right there. And in your mixed martial arts career, let's go back to the beginning of the journey. And what was it that you saw um, or somebody maybe talked to you about this that drew you into mixed martial arts and you decided this is something that you wanted to tackle and possibly turn into a career? Well, uh, in high school, I, I wrestled and um... – I wanted to make it a college thing and you know the college that I wanted to go to was Merrimack Hills right up the street from where I lived and uh at that time they cut the wrestling program so by that time I was just kind of like you know just sitting in college just doing college things and stuff but uh I noticed down the street from the college it was uh this MMA gym it was called Finney's and I got a I got a subscription or a membership there, and you know trained with them, and then pretty much I fell in love with the sport after that. So we just talked with a fighter. She does not have one. Uh, there was a fighter that we had not interviewed, but we mentioned him on a podcast, and Luke and I both agreed he should never have come out with this. And we're talking about nicknames. Uh, your nickname is the Wolverine. So what's the story behind that? Is that something that uh, that you're attracted to? For I uh, was that is that a Marvel Comics hero or DC? Yeah, um, it's a it's a it's a Marvel uh, hero. Yeah. It's uh yeah the Wolverine with the three claws. But uh, my nickname is you know it's because I, I chose it because you know I looked up what Wolverines actually do, 
and they're a unique animal that usually fight bears and you know wolves animals that are like bigger than it so at that time i was kind of a small 170 pounder and i was taking like fights at middleweight as well so you know uh before then i i just said i'm the wolverine because you know i just i i show the same tenacity whether you're bigger or you're as uh or you're the same size as me so it's more of a a thing of spiritual beasts i guess i understand we there's another fighter he is he's he's probably maybe about an hour and a half two hours east of pittsburgh um near the state college area um his nickname is the wolverine also but he got it because of his looks and he actually has um like hugh jackman in in the character oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> what you've got going on too you yeah. know where he's got what i call the mutton chops um although his don't connect down at the bottom like a like a beard or or goatee yeah and that's that's how he got the nickname oh wow yeah i'm not i'm not really into the theatrics (laughs) i lose focus well yeah you so yours is you know you come by legitimately with we wouldn't call theatrics inside the ring but it's your tenacity um that you take into the cage and um and use against your opponent yes so Going back to, it was uh, Jason, Jason Ferguson is who I talked with. He also mentioned that um, part of your corner is your, uh, your wife. She's part of your corner team. Marriage in general, the relationships are, are not always an easy thing. And sometimes when you are working together, that can be a bonus. And, and most couples, though, that do that, where they work together, are able to draw the line between their marriage and their career and they they don't mix the two because although one supports the other they're mm-hmm. two distinct relationships and i was curious as to how that has worked out for for the two of you and is, is your wife still active uh no she's not active anymore um after uh, she had her last fight uh three years ago uh actually three years ago today as a matter of fact and um she she was thinking she was on and off about it but um really what holds us together is when we got down to florida we got rebirthed in our faith and um you know we started reading the bible and stuff and uh i had to be humble you know what i mean in the relationship some of the things that i've been uh doing in mma uh my wife she was good at and some of the things that she was doing in mma I was good at. So we figured out a way, you know, through our faith to humble ourselves in those different areas to where it helps me out that she gives me advice and she helps me out with the nutrition and stuff. And she looks at uh, all my techniques and we just had to humble ourselves and listen to each other. And we had to, you know, start from square one for real. So obviously she is supportive uh, in, in that aspect and, you know, you had this big opportunity in front of you in LFA 71. So coming out of that, was this as a result of the fight that uh, that you landed the three-fight um, deal with them? Or was this something that was in the works prior to it and it was kind of hinging on your performance at uh, the most recent event, LFA 71? Uh, yeah, that it, it came from uh, just accepting the fight. Before then, it was just a one-fight contract. Jim and I love when fighters bring in faith 
and and talk about anything really outside of just fighting. Obviously, uh, you you do fight. Fighting is what you do, but you're not necessarily just defined by a fighter. So I, by being a fighter, so I think it's beautiful that you and your wife share a faith as great as it is to share your love for combat sports and how you met is a great story. I don't think I've ever heard somebody that met cutting weight, um, their, their husband or wife cutting weight. So that's a great story. But I, I think it's, it's, it's very encouraging to, to hear you guys being strong in your faith and Bible study um, as, as a married couple. And then obviously Jim did a great job asking about how it works as far as the athletic side of life to jump in a little bit more to the LFA fight, because we're only a couple of days out and we, we like to do, um, interviews that, that I kind of refer to as after action reviews, which is a military term, uh, okay. to, to kind of break down the fight. So you went all you went all the rounds, and obviously it was a, it was a split decision. So can you kind of break down round by round, sort of what happened and and sort of your mindset during the round, and also which which rounds you think you uh, you definitely won, and maybe where where the 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 iffy round was, or where the uh, where the uh, split came from. If you could kind of break down round by round your fight would be great. Okay. Well, round one came. Um, actually, it, it started from when, when I received the call. Uh, yeah. I was looking at him. I, I saw that he throws power shots, but I also saw that, you know, he backs away when, uh, when, he's, when he's pressured. My, my intent was to pressure him and uh, get him to force that left hook, that check hook. I wanted to expose them, uh, expose that game by throwing either jabs and uh, leg kicks to, you know, find my range and, you know, start off with my combos. He threw like a curveball and, and started taking me down and I come up with a different strategy at that point. I realized that he was heavy on that lead leg at that point because it, it's different o over watching it on the phone. You can't see like certain yeah. uh, vantage points, but I saw that right. he was heavy on his front leg. And then that's when I started utilizing my wrestling. Uh, once mm. I started, once I saw that, you know, it was easy for me to take them down and kind of less, less than a fight, I started utilizing my wrestling and, you know, my grounding pawn at that point. This was also like the time where, you know, I was kind of, I was kind of looking forward to wrestling an opponent because I'm usually known for my strikes. So, and I thought that also, you know, all my videos online, I, I reviewed all my videos online, it was for the Tyler Ray fight. I looked at all my videos for the Tyler Ray fight and saw that, you know, it was only striking. It was only striking. And, you know, something just told me, like, just take him down. I have the wrestling cred credentials and I I've wrestled for a long time. And it's time for me to utilize more of my game than just my striking. So I, I feel like it paid off in the end. It showed me the holes in my game still that I have, but it showed me Another thing that I have the skill set enough to, you know, compete in the professional level. Oh, absolutely. I think that's, uh, I think that's always good. The split decision wins can be, well, any win, right? But split decision wins can be great because it means there was a test. And, you know, it's great to knock everybody out in under a minute. But, uh, you know, and we saw that with Ronda Rousey. It's great while it lasts, but sometimes you don't develop the ability to change your game plan during the fight. I think the intellectual side, the, the smart planning side, the strategic side of MMA sometimes gets glossed over and people think, oh, they're just idiots in there trying to throw leather. But I think you did a good job of explaining kind of the in-fight adjustment, which is always so important. So that's great. Um, what what was going through uh, your mind? And I know this could be challenging 
when when the uh, announcer starts reading off. And so for our audience, hopefully they know. But you you can always tell when an announcer is uh, is reading off for a split decision because either they say it's going to be a split decision or they start saying, you know, red corner has this has this score and blue corner has this score and you start realizing that there's different scores. So w- was it a shock that it was, that it was a split decision when they started reading it or did you feel like, wow, that's weird, but I definitely have it. Yeah. It was more of the second, it was more of the second. Yeah. I was, I was like, um, like I was kind of confused about that. All the fights that I've, this, the decisions that I've went to, you know, if I, I've been taken down for three rounds, me, I knew I lost that fight. But when I, when I heard it was a split decision, I was just like, well, you know, anyway, I won that fight. And- <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Yeah. A win's a win. And I think sometimes the advantage, if there is any, to a split decision is that you're, uh, you were able to get you were able to, to get the win despite, you know, a little bit of a, of a challenge or maybe a little bit of a judge. And that's what's confusing for people that, that, that don't quite understand. MMA is so dynamic that there's – and I get it. it, it it's tough – for the judges to kind of uh, weigh the round, you know, it, it, these yeah. are five minute rounds. Yeah, these are. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so a lot can happen in five minutes and, you know, a judge has to decide uh, the 10 must system, who gets 10, who gets nine, or sometimes it's uh, a few points lower than nine, but you know, it, it can be challenging. And, and as a fighter or as a fan, we can sit back and go, how the heck did the judge, and maybe the judge doesn't know what they're doing, but a lot of times it's, they're, they're looking for certain things. And so sometimes, they're um, they're not necessarily on board with what with what uh, with what it was, but I'm glad you obviously got the win. And um, and, and it's something that I point out sometimes, and you mentioned it being able to compete at the professional level is that's a lot of minutes. You know, you got a lot of mat time, as they would say in wrestling, which is a phrase you would know. Um, is yeah. it is it sometimes better? Because I'm going to get to one of your knockout wins that was 35 seconds into the first round, and he's a notable guy, and, and you knocked him out with elbows uh, a few years ago, and you probably know who I'm talking about. But I, I want to get to that in a second because it kind of shows your, your pedigree and your ability to finish people, which is, which is wonderful. Um, but is there an advantage to fighting a full every minute down to the end fight, or, or do you kind of feel like, you know, if I can end them in the first round, that would be great too? Which, which way do you swing? Because you've had both. Honestly, I, I, every fight I prepare for 15 minutes. I prepare for 15 minutes of just blowing my gas tank out because that's, it, it's not, it's not like a berserk mode. I'm like, uh, I'm like mindless or anything in there. I'm, I'm calculating and I'm always trying to open up different options. Always, I'm looking for, you know, the option to knock them out. But, you know, the, if you continue, I know this from my career is if you look for the knockout, you're gonna you're gonna have a long night instead of mm-hmm. just looking for yeah. instead of looking for a 15 minute victory that you know you'd be proud of putting putting in you know 100 percent 110 percent actually you know towards the end I would rather fight the 15 minutes because uh, when I wrestled that's how you knew whether or not mm-hmm. that person was mentally weak yeah. or not. And, you know, me lasting 15 minutes, even in my losses, I never I never gave up uh, trying to, you know, get the victory. So I, I, I feel like a 15 minute victory for me is, you know, a step up in my game and a step up that I'm, I'm able to, you know, make those adjustments as well. 
Oh, and it's something you also point out. I completely agree. It's something you also point out about training. You know, you, you get to be able to trust your training more when you've gone a hard 15 minutes as far as the strength and conditioning. You mentioned your life on the nutrition side. Uh, there's a lot that has to go into being able to compete at, the, at a very high level for 15 minutes taking nothing away from people that go in there and get the quick finish. That's very exciting when it happens. Although, as you pointed out, which I think is, is smart and humble, you know, you have to stay humble in the fight game or else you'll be humbled by somebody else that when people need, and there's been some times at the UFC level that you know that if somebody doesn't get, and I'm not saying anything bad about him because uh, he could just destroy me, but Anthony <laughs> Rumble Johnson, uh, when he fought DC twice, you know, I really thought the second fight that he would have come with a different game plan and he yeah. didn't, you know, it was still, and, and there's nothing against Anthony Rumble Johnson because his game plan of I'm going to swing leather at your head and you're not going to make it out of the first round works really well. But as yeah, soon as exactly. it doesn't work, there's nothing, you know, and so I, I do think that the mat time is good. Exactly. And yeah. uh, at a point I was kind of thirsty for, you know, the knockout and stuff. And it's always fun to get a knockout. You know what I mean? You kind of feel it through your gloves once they fall, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, you know, people are cheering, but if you're in if you're in the fight game, you gotta practice for longevity, you know, a key thing for me now. You know, I don't have to always be in wars to, you know, win. And that was the different side that I, I failed to see in my immaturity in the game. But now I feel like I, I put it all together in this last fight. Absolutely. And I think that's an advantage. LFA is a is a very recognizable promotion. The, the caliber of your opponent was, uh, I think, eight and, and three at the time, a, a very well-respected, a lot of, lot of wins, a lot of experience. So being able to best somebody like that for 15 minutes is pretty great. Now, going back to 2016, you fought um, Grant Dawson, who some people might not know the name, but they probably should. He only has yep. one loss on his record, which is you. And uh, you knocked him out in 35 seconds with elbows in the first round, and Grant Dawson ended up going on and uh, was on Dana White Contender Series 1 and now is 2-0 and in the UFC. Um, kind of walk us through that fight. Obviously, it didn't last long. And what does it mean to you to know that you've had, um, you know, that level of a dominating win over a guy that's clearly uh, very good in UFC caliber? Does that give you a certain level of confidence? Uh, yes. It, it it did. It was a confidence boost because um it was an up and coming guy and I was I believe I was like four and two at that time. That was around the time where I started changing things up and using more visualization and and in the fight, you know, I switched my uh, conditioning up. I remember that, and I was and this is the point where I was thinking I should I should be ready for fifteen minutes instead of just mm. five. So um, at that point, I was I was ready. I was, you know, I was visualizing, you know, fighting uh, three five minute rounds. And once he came out, I was going to start off, you know, utilizing my jab and utilizing my striking and stuff. Once he threw like a, a overhand right, and I was just like, wow, this kid has power. And, you know, it's like, OK, I thought about it. I had to readjust again. And uh, I wanted to, to expose him with leg kicks because. You know, he was real heavy on that front foot as well. And as soon as I threw the leg kick, the second time he uh, went in to take me down. And I remember this certain point because it was around the time where Travis Brown was knocking people out with elbows. Yeah, with those elbows, and, yeah. Um, I, I remember watching that. And I, I watch a lot of uh, footage to make, like, comparisons for my opponents and stuff so I could, I could kind of use it for more visualization. And I remember that he kept exposing his head towards the inside part 
where uh, mm. Travis Brown was utilizing, and he did that to Josh Barnett. He pushed his head to the side, and I remember pushing his head to the side, and then I was just like, hey, <laughs> I could finish the fight. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was really a humbling experience for me as well, and I thank God for it because, you know, that opened, that actually opened the gate up for me to be taken seriously and to be taken as, you know, an actual contender in uh, mixed martial arts. So, you know, I'm actually grateful for that fight. And, um, yeah. Well, that's great analysis. And, and I do think that it's it sometimes uh, we've interviewed uh, fighters, and then this will be my last question, and, and you could kick it back to, to Jim, is some fighters don't, and it's everybody's different, but some fighters don't like the analysis or watching tape or coming up with game plans or visualizing. It sounds like you've really used the visualization or, or looking at people's tendencies to your advantage. Um, you said it was about, was it about six fights into your pro career? And what led you, what, what, was it a coach or what led you to, uh, to decide to go into more of the uh, comparison watching and, and, um, and visualizing what, what kind of led you to make that change? Cause it's obviously been good for you. Well, um, the coach that I, that uh, I was working out with was Jared Daniels Block. He trains in St. Louis, Missouri, and it was also a coach named Alam Tifa. They had two different philosophies, and um, but like you know, I kind of stuck with Jared, and Jared stuck with me. And um, we, I, I would always watch tapes, but you know, Jared would watch the tapes with me and stuff, and he would uh, point out you know certain things. But the more that I uh, noticed that the videotapes would you know, show off different tendencies for the fighters. I started watching my own fights and that was mm. more humbling as well because I realized that, you know, in a fight, you know, you don't it, just pretend you're me for a second. Uh, you come in and as an amateur, you got four fights for your 4-0 as, uh, as a professional and you got all knockouts. You're not really looking at your tapes as much, but at that time, I felt that I was like the best in the world. You know what I mean? I'm 4-0. I'm getting all knockouts, and, and I expect knockouts and stuff like that. I had to take it back a little bit, humble myself, and then look into like the rear, rear view mirror for a second. And I, mm. I saw like a lot of things that I had to change. So it was kind of a slow process after that first loss and that second loss. But now I start, I'm, I'm starting to understand you need to put more tools in your arsenal. You need to fight with more tools in your arsenal. And you need to continuously attack uh, from, from the first second to the last. And I feel like that visualization and me seeing myself, all my weak points, is actually better than, you know, me watching my opponents because now I watch what they watch. If, if it's, that makes any sense. I watch what they watch so I can see my tendencies and I can see their advantages. And then I watch their tape and see what kind of advantages they have. And then I kind of put them both together to try to close the gaps in the fight. So it sounds to me like you are a student of the game. Uh, a lot of things that you said, you mentioned maturity in the game. You're watching your own fights and you kind of stole thunder in one of my questions for you and that was going to your first loss you started your amateur career 7-0 and and quickly ran out to a 4-0 record in uh, in your pro career I was gonna ask you go back in time to just as you entered that cage for your first loss what would you have told yourself to make a difference in that fight so that 
you know, you could change the outcome and that uh, that loss would become a win for you. To be honest, if I could change, I, I wouldn't change it at all. I feel like I'm not one of the people uh, that kind of be like, well, I, if I would have done this then, I'm not the type of person that kind of looks back like that. I, um, what I would say to myself, though, is take this loss and work with it. Take this loss and learn from it. And I'm not invincible like I thought I was because a loss to me, it's a choice now. You know what I mean? It's a choice before the fight and it's a choice during the fight. And it took a while for me. And I would tell myself at that point, don't treat this as a loss. Treat it as a learning experience. Because if I was like 10 and 0 right now, I'd be in the UFC. And what if I experienced my first loss in the UFC? I don't know whether or not I wouldn't know whether or not I was strong enough to handle it. But I'm glad that I, I experienced the loss in my early career. So now I can utilize, you know, the pain from the loss and the pain from, you know, feeling down to boost myself up and reanimate myself again. I feel like losing made me the fighter that I am now. And I feel like the best fighters lose. You know, look at Anderson Silva. He, before, before he got into the UFC, it was four losses and, he picked up the wins and, and is the most dominant champion. So I wouldn't change any losses. I would tell myself, use this as a learning experience and go from there and don't quit. That's the big thing is don't not quitting after you lose because, you know, once you quit, then it's all over. You know, once you think about quitting, you're going to go mopey. You're going to second guess yourself. And I'm not the type of person that quits. Ex excellent point. I, I wanted to ask you about your uh, your video breakdowns. It sounds to me kind of like you when you watch tape of yourself, it's like you're breaking down the video as an opponent to see where you would attack you, the fighter that you're breaking down, and then you know you go to the gym and you work on that area. Not that that becomes a sole focus, but now you see from the outside looking in how Hugh is going to become a better fighter. Where did that come from, the, uh, the video breakdown? Is it something that you developed on your own, or, or did you sit down with your coaches and decide that, you know, this has got to be part of the game plan from now on? It was a loss that I had against uh, Chad Curry. And I was, throwing, I was throwing punches, and, I, you know, at this point I was thinking, you know, my stand-up's awesome, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, I was kind of smelling my own, my own doodle at the <laughs> time. <laughs> But um, a second loss like that, I was just like, man, I got to I gotta change something up. And I started looking at the videos, and I started slowly, like, rewinding, like, just looking at 10 seconds for, like, 50, 60, 70 times, man. That might be uh, exaggerating a little bit, but it, it was a lot of times where I just look at something like, man, how did I get caught by that? And it was just – it's just my, my drive, man. I, I – it, it was it's more me because I, I had to look at tape and uh, and and help myself. You know what I mean? Nobody else is going to help you except for yourself and the Lord, you know. So I looked online and I I checked it out. And then I was just like, yeah, things have got to change, you know, here, here and this point. And also, you know, um, what my wife does is she'll uh, video record practices and stuff and what else I benefit from that is you know she she knows how I fight and she knows fighting as well so we'll take like you know an hour after uh sparring and stuff and just look over all my sparring sessions and you know give constructive criticism and uh since it's coming from her that it, it hurts a lot less so 
<laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, that that that's basically where that came from. Um, it was it was around like the third loss, and you know, I was tired of losing by getting hit or outpointed, or you know, just watching my weaknesses. Yeah, I think it's important for somebody to to be able to step back and look at themselves and see where there are areas that can be improved, and then actually come up with a game plan, whether it's, you know, by yourselves, but, you know, what you've done is with other people, you have looked at those areas and you are now moving towards that to tighten up those holes, so to speak, that are in your game. So you finished up with LFA 71. You signed a three-fight contract. Is there a target date that you and your manager or your team um, working with LFA have said, this is when, when we want to get you back in the cage. Uh, we haven't talked. Uh, we haven't talked about that uh, yet. But um, I, I was thinking like early September, to be honest. I feel good, you know. Besides, you know, my neck and stuff. Like it's a little bit tweaked from uh, from all those uh, <laughs> from all those close calls. But um, you know, it's a little bit tweaked right now. But you know, I'm actually ready to go. I'm ready to get back in there, and you know, I'm ready to fight. My goal is to be a UFC champion, man. Like, that's another reason why I took this fight late notice is because, you know, I know LFA is a UFC feeder, and I know that, you know, they most of their people, uh, they ship to the UFC. And I, I saw Ed Soares, a lot of people that were in the UFC at, that, at the venue and stuff. And I wanted to utilize this to, you know, see if I can step in at last minute because UFC does that a lot. You know, they they – have people that you know are sitting sitting and waiting and stuff and as soon as they get the call usually they uh they take the fight and they lose and i don't want to be that type of person so I, I would rather go in there i would rather train and you know stay on my grind until you know somebody else calls me and you know just go out there and fight man that's pretty much my game plan now so you know just stay ready always so you won't have to get ready I could be wrong on this, but I, I, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, I think Lando Venata made his UFC debut on short notice against Tony Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And f famously, that is the one where he had Ferguson in all kinds of trouble. And I think he had knocked him down a few times. He ended up losing the fight, but I, I feel like that short notice, staying prepared for the, for the opportunity when it came, um, and his performance in that fight has been successful for him and you know and his career with the UFC one other question one last question I have for you or maybe not necessarily a question but um, you know when you step in the cage that door shuts it's just you but it takes a whole lot more um, than just you to get to that point so I wanted to give you a minute or so to recognize some people that are, are that are part of your team and who have helped you become the fighter that you are today Okay, cool. <laughs> Never had this point before. <laughs> well, I first of all, I'd like to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, without him, all things aren't possible. Uh, nothing's possible without him. I'd like to thank my wife. Uh, she's been a 100% down-to-earth chick that has helped me and that has, you know, been 100% with me. And all, all, the, all her criticisms are only to strengthen me. Uh, I would like to thank my, my management team, Jared Daniels Block, Jason Ferguson, Scrap Management Team. I would like to thank everybody at Barber 
Orthopedics down in Atlanta. I like to thank Cam. She knows who she is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like to thank my family. That's actually a good support system as well because for a minute we were kind of all scattered, but now we're all in Florida right now in the same area. So now they're uh, more involved with my fighting. You know, they've always been involved, but they never knew how to support me. So, and I, I gave them some information to help me out. They, they've done that to a T. Uh, I like to thank my family. Uh, I like to thank my friend, Nick, Gracie Tampa South, Gracie Clearwater. They helped me out with uh, the bodies. They put the bodies in front of me. I want to thank uh, also uh, Punch Boxing. And I also want to thank uh, Paisley Law Firm. And um, yeah, that's about it. Well, good. I'm glad you I'm glad you thanked everybody. And it, it's a good reminder for listeners to realize that it's very easy, particularly when you're watching fights, LFA, UFC, Bellator, whatever it is, to only root for your for your fighter. But it's easy to forget from a fan perspective that that fighter would not be there um, if it wasn't for the sponsors. Some of the people you thanked giving you giving you sponsorship money, that's a big deal or else. Uh, you wouldn't have the time or the finances to be able to train. And that's, that's something that might not look fun, but it's actually very, very important. And then, of course, all your motivators and encouragers and coaches, your wife, all those, all those people aren't physically in there in the cage with you, but they are as far as emotionally and spiritually. So um, I'm, I'm going to end it, and I really appreciate you pointing out um, your mindset when it comes to the UFC. I think that's, uh, that's a great mindset to have, and I agree with you. I think some people get into the UFC undefeated, they pick up their first loss and, you know, the pressure and the, and, and the focus is a little bit too much. So uh, you, you've kind of already rebounded from your losses and you have a great mindset. Speaking of learning from, uh, from your fights, what's your overall assessment of the fight, uh, the, the LFA fight that you just won? And, and what's something that, you're, uh, that you learned from it to, to launch into if you fight in September? Okay, so the... It was, uh, I believe it was the end of the second round from the video. Uh, Pat Militus said that I should have threw, like he gave, he gave, he would have gave the second uh, round to uh, DeMarquez because I didn't throw as many strikes at the bottom. Uh, what I took from that, uh, point, I need to be, uh, I need to work on my tenacity on the, on, on my ground game. And I need to start throwing a little bit more punches when I go to the ground. To, and also that also sets up my submission game as well. Like I, mm. I feel like really underrated submission game. So let's start working that as well. So I can find, you know, different areas and avenues to, you know, finish the fight. Absolutely. And I think that's a great point to point out that listening to, it sounds like you listened to um, the, the commentary, right? Pat Miletic was, was doing commentary. Yes. And, and I think that's smart, too. It's not just, yeah, there's a lot of times where you, you want to listen to your corners and you want to uh, be there in the moment. But I think that's the first time we've ever had a fighter reference listening to the commentary. Obviously, Pat Militich is a legend and, and picking up something from the, comment, from the commentary to then add to your game, I think, just goes to your, uh, your ability to, uh, to benefit from all comments. You know, it, 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 somebody pointing it out isn't to be negative. It's detailed i i really appreciate your ability to break down your your fights and 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 better yourself which is really great we really appreciate having you on the show we'd love to do another interview with you before your next fight whenever lfa uh lines you up for an opponent that would be great and from us here at um mma fancast we're going to say that's it for pit thanks so much for coming on the show
Hey, thank you all as well. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, like I said, this is a kind of a foreign area, but I really appreciate y'all reaching out to me and getting this interview with me. It's an honor being on this podcast as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you, sir. Hey, y'all have a good one. God is good. <laughs>